Welcome to episode 54 of Founders Gyan. Today we have another great guest on the show. He is Mr. Lavesh Prithmani, founder of the Learn Bangda app which has over 25000 downloads and has some viral videos as well which got shared in the millions. We talk all about how Lavesh started this, how he managed to get so many downloads, productivity tips that he uses and so on. I'm also excited about this episode because Lavesh gives us a deep dive into sales for startups. So that's a segment you don't want to miss. Do check out foundersgyan.com/ep54 for the show notes and also hang around till the end as we discuss some more IP related questions in our special segment #askmarcus. Let's get this party on the road now. Uh today's guest on the show is Lavesh Prithmani. Lavesh is the founder and CEO of Learn Bangda and he launched this Learn Bangda app which is free to download for iOS and Android. and in just about 1.5 years the app has over 25000 downloads and has reached millions more through social media their fetivap 679 bangra also a video also went viral lavesh is a very busy person and does workshops and choreography around the world and keeps traveling a lot so lavesh thanks a lot so much mate for taking time out of your schedule to Uh, speak to me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ramji, for having me on here, and uh, excited to to speak with you. Cool. So let's dive quickly into your app. So tell us more about your app, and before you get into your app, tell us a bit more about your background. Sure. Absolutely. So originally, I grew up in North Carolina in the United States, and uh, so I'm an NRI. And uh, like like many young desi boys i i didn't have an appetite to learn dance i really didn't care about performing dance or anything to do with dance um so it was kind of funny that uh later in my life it it became such a big part of what i did but uh i grew up being you know into sports primarily basketball uh, but when i got to high school i realized that i really had this uh this passion for pangra i liked that it was such a a manly dance and uh I really like the fact that it allowed me to connect back to my culture and my community right so it gave me a reason to uh be in desi functions and to connect with friends and and you know spend time with them by practicing and performing on stage so in 2006 I had the opportunity to actually start teaching pangra at that time you know it was before youtube we were learning from videos and dvds and that type of thing so that was my original teacher and um had the opportunity to uh, kind of co-own an academy where I uh, put in the time and over 10 years you know that academy was really where I made my mark and and helped spread pangra uh within the community uh however I was lucky that within those uh time within that 10 years I was able to meet my coach he actually moved from Punjab to North Carolina and uh, by chance I met him and he was really a pangra expert uh and so when I met him and learn the folk style the quote unquote original style of pangra it completely changed my outlook uh it was more of a way of life the way he treated it and the discipline and the confidence that he got from performing pangra that's what really inspired me to actually launch the app because i wanted to spread what i learned from him his teachings his style to everybody and i knew while an academy was great it was location based and it was limited by uh having to be in one location so uh that's where the idea struck me to create an app where anybody anywhere in the world uh could enjoy and experience the same thing that uh, I had from from my coach. Okay, great. Uh, Lavish, I just want to take a step back and talk about uh the fact that you were not even interested in the dance form 
but you ended up uh, teaching so how did that jump happen you know life is strange sometimes but uh, <laughs> maybe you could explain to us how that happened yeah I, i you know i think i i realized when i wasn't going to make it in the national basketball association that i needed to find a new hobby uh so so maybe being a professional athlete wasn't for me but um you know i've i've always been the type of person that uh i i want to find something and succeed at it and it's it's funny because you know when i was a child i was always told hey you're a good dancer you should get up on there but you know i always ignored ignored that side of it and then it was kind of funny that in high school that cultural side of me really took over i i had that yearning to connect more with desis you know growing up outside of india and all of a sudden pangra became that outlet for me right that became the the method the medium to connect with my community um and furthermore it, it also has a big competitive aspect which you know kind of being an athlete you want to have that as well too and that's something you strive to do so so pangra really uh became that new thing for me and uh has continued to be till this day um something that i dedicate a lot of time into okay excellent now Uh, tell us about uh, a bit more about your ha- uh, about your app and how did you manage to get so many downloads i mean we all know that an app is uh, uh, you might have the greatest app in the world but if nobody downloads it it's useless right so uh, how did you manage to get get so much downloads what what was your strategy behind that yeah you know one of the things that we initially started with is when we came up with this idea we wanted to establish a level of credibility with any potential user and the way we did that level of credibility was through very high quality video tutorials so we invested a lot of time and money into bringing out um the utmost best production crew uh we had members from LA members from up north uh, all over come and and put this production together so by establishing that sense of credibility and uh creating this high quality content it automatically gave us a little bit of a leg up in terms of what else was out there and what was already available out there um the second thing is having first mover advantage uh and the fact that no one had really made an an app like this um not to really very many dance forms at all especially not within desi dance forms uh that was another key thing that helped us get those downloads um but further than that it was also establishing key partnerships so we made relationships with YouTubers with bloggers with news articles uh podcasts actually you know sort of similar to yourself people who are looking for content and the reason it's a great win-win is that you know these type of people who are in this form of media uh are always looking for something to to talk about something that's interesting and the fact that we had something to give them it gained our exposure it helped spread our exposure and at the same time you know it gave them uh something kind of new to talk about so that's how we initially got with a word of mouth out about learn pangra app and from there you know marketing kind of kicked in okay excellent excellent so from what i hear uh it seems that much of your uh, downloads were organic uh, rather than uh, paid and uh, that's that's always great and uh, is there any tips that you you would give to uh, would be uh, startups on uh, how they can uh, kind of use some of these techniques uh, these uh, uh, word of mouth techniques uh, you, you were talking about blogs podcasts and uh, sure. uh, and other key partnerships so uh, what what should we look for uh, if if i have an app let's say i created an app and what should i look for uh, should i yeah you could just walk, walk sure. us through that you know the first thing that we did is uh, put together 
<laughs> I'd like to say hundreds of spreadsheets that uh, you know highlighted the different uh, media outlets and like I mentioned, you know that being YouTube blogs articles that would in any way pertain to what we're doing or have an interest in what we're doing. So the market research aspect is is really step one. It's getting the analytics. It's getting uh, the people that you're going to want to establish those partnerships and organizing that and and in you know a very easy way to uh, to go after. Um, the second way is through social media itself. So word of mouth and social media are almost synonymous terms nowadays. Uh, and and so having a very succinct social media strategy, I think, is key to helping spread that word of mouth. The way we've done some of that is again being very strategic about how we're posting. So down to the minute, uh, having a weekly spreadsheet where we post all our content that we're going to do ahead of time, uh, utilizing things like Hootsuite, which automates some of the social media for you if you're not there, and you know being able to schedule ahead of time. There's other tools out there that also do that type of thing. Uh, and within social media, treating it like it's almost its own world, looking for the right pages and people who you can also reach out to to help spread your word. The uh, the third method besides you know the media and the social media is using your personal network. You know if you if you do have all these friends and families that uh, members that you know are are supposedly there for you, then you kind of use them to uh, you know leverage them to help spread your your app or whatever idea you have, and utilizing all those in a time strategic approach is what gets the most amount of word out there. And it's very important to have that, I think, in the beginning to show that you have all these different outlets going because it creates a perception to users, to people, that you know you have a lot out there in the market, you have a lot going on. And once you get that right wave going, you hopefully ride that wave and continue to ride it, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, ride it all the way through uh, to help kind of continue your marketing as you go along with your project. Okay, excellent. Uh, when you mentioned uh, Hootsuite, uh, I kind of uh, wanted to tell our audience about uh, Buffer, uh, which is also an uh, equally good alternative uh, to Hootsuite. Uh, Buffer is paid, though. Hootsuite is free, I guess, uh, right? Uh, yes, I think Hootsuite now may have also a paid aspect of it. Yeah, uh, they do, actually. But uh, but yes, Hootsuite at the base level is also free. Right. Buffer is also free at the base level. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, these, are, these are a couple of... Uh, tools that can help you automate your tweets and uh, Facebook posts, I think Instagram, uh, uh, LinkedIn, uh, I think you can connect a lot of different uh, social media uh, in in this account and automate your uh, postings. Uh, So that's, that's, that's kind of uh, uh, a a good, good uh, tool to have for for social media outreach. Uh, Now let's, let's talk about your viral videos. So uh again uh did you use a similar strategy or was it slightly different uh on <laughs> making your video go viral or was it just luck <laughs> a lot of people yeah, say it's it's, it's funny you luck. know it's funny ramji that it, it really came it really came down to luck you know we we created so many videos prior to this and we've created so many videos after this and some videos have taken you know hours to create right to get the right angles to get the right uh, you know, view and situation and all that type of thing. The video that went viral was our Fetty Wap. Uh, you know, he's a big rap artist in, in the U.S., hip-hop artist. And there was one very extremely popular song of his called 679. And so we, we literally were just in the studio, some of the people from my team that I've coached in North Carolina, 
And it took us five minutes to make this video. It was just something kind of goofy. We said, okay, we'll just throw this on the app and it'll be some content filler. It was never supposed to be main content that we thought would, would go somewhere. And, and, you know, I woke up the next day and I, and I see, you know, thousands of notifications going off on our page about it. Um, so it, it was really unique that, you know, you can, it's very hard to predict what's going to go viral. In fact, we had even tried to force some elements of virality. Um, one of the key ways we had originally started that was to Reddit before we even made this, uh, this Fediwap video. There were other, other videos that we tried to post on Reddit and, uh, and get people to upvote them. That's kind of known if you, if you don't know about Reddit, people call it the birthplace of virality. That's where a lot of it starts, uh, and, and helps spread. Uh, so we tried that platform. Obviously, we tried to time the sharing. So we got our friends and families to, when we'd post a video to say, hey, can you all share this at once and see how that went? But at the end of the day, it's just what, you know, picks up with, with the people. And uh, I think what helped us was the fact that we were using a trending song, a song that was very popular. Everybody knew that song. And we did something that no one had ever seen uh, you know, or many people hadn't at least seen, um, you know, the, the demographics of that virality video were all over the world. So many people had never seen Pangra to begin with or even heard about it. And um, I think the fact that we were able to just take a very popular song and do something that they hadn't seen to it is what led to the virality. Great. And, and I think... Uh... I would also say authenticity is uh, is a factor there. I mean, you guys sure. just put it together, right? I mean, you, on the spur of the moment, you you wanted to do something. It was uh, there was no end. Uh, I mean, the the goal wasn't for the video to go viral. The goal right. was just to just, just to, to make uh, something, yeah, make something that was that was funny and spontaneous. So I, I think being authentic uh, is uh, is the case with many viral uh, videos and. Uh, uh, I think it's it's the same uh, with uh, with your yours yours one too. So, uh, how can our listeners check this out? Do they just search for Fetivap six seventy nine Bangra or, or uh, exactly. is there a specific? Yes. Yep. So it, it's it's available on uh, YouTube and uh, where it really went viral is actually on Facebook. That's where it gar uh, garnered over thirteen million views. Um, you know, YouTube uh has has a sizable amount but not nearly as much as on on facebook so uh you can you can find it all over kind of the social media platforms and what was what was interesting too i'll mention about you know going viral is we didn't predict it but i thought i felt we did a good job of following up on it and that's something that is also key when you have something you know if you're lucky enough to have it go viral is to not just say i have to make the next big viral video it's looking within that video and seeing what came out of it through the comments. We went through every comment. We went through every share. That's, you know, over 12,000 shares by itself. The comments were, I believe it was somewhere like 8,000 comments. And we went through almost every one of them and either responded or, uh, you know, found that there were gig opportunities. People said, hey, we'd like you to do this for us or we'd like a workshop here. And so taking the time to really deep dive into it gave us a good great idea of not only the metrics but where opportunities lied um it, it got us you know over a thousand dollars in gigs just from that video alone and uh, and it also really helped us understand you know kind of what uh some, a part of our target market that we hadn't maybe focused on as much really wanted and looked for and so it helped shape some of our obviously shape some of our future content uh, accordingly so i think it's good to always look at the other side and, and really dive into 
what the reactions to that viral uh, content is. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think that that's that's a key key thing. I mean, uh, some people just want to do another viral video, but I think what you guys have done is taken a good approach and kind of uh, try to utilize uh, uh, the virality and and try to maximize the. Uh, return on the virality so i think i think that's that's great now let's talk about monetization you just touched a bit on that that you got over thousand dollars of uh, worth of gigs and things like that so what's the main monetization uh, plan i mean is it uh, through the app uh, in-app purchases or uh, in-app ads or uh, do you use the app to kind of uh, get uh, some kind of uh, gigs i know you travel around the world so talk to us a bit more about that sure yeah gr- great question so in our app, we kind of have a unique setup. Um, when we originally launched the app, Learn Pangra is free. Anybody who wants to learn the dance can learn it for free, watch the videos for free, etc. But within the app, we actually created an in-app purchase. And that's what we call the Pangra workout. So the Pangra workout is actually our fitness side. And what we basically have allowed is for people that want to watch the videos and learn Pangra by themselves, they can do so. But if they want to challenge themselves, if they want to try the 30-day workout, that's what the Pangra workout offers them. And they have to pay for these additional videos that allows them to put together this 30-day plan on their own. So within the app, we have this in-app purchase model. And I, I think it's a it's a great way to uh, go. The other route that, you know, if you're a startup kind of looking, uh, I, I very highly suggest putting you know, parts of your key content out there for free, whether it's an app or whether it's a website, whatever you may do, but then having either an in-app or an in-website purchase model or a subscription model. Um, subscription is another great way to go. The problem is you just have to always kind of, you know, keep producing content or product or whatever your uh, project may be. Uh, so that was that was our monetization strategy to have this in-app model, a purchase model. Uh, but for what happened is the app really became the the catalyst the marketing tool to give us lots of gigs that that uh, weren't really necessarily related directly to the technology platform itself hence what you mentioned workshops around the world uh you know merchandise sale all these different types of things have have come out of it so uh one of the things to be you know a startup and um i think this is you know kind of important to look at in your own project is see what those different revenue channels are because you might find that you originally launched your product like we did with Learn Pangra app, but there's other things you never thought about, like these workshops that are paying for uh, and funding a lot of a lot of development that we do in the app. And uh, that may be something that you never realized or never thought deeply about, but found that that ends up being, you know, down the road, one of your, your key revenue models out there as well. So kind of that flexibility is important. Okay, that's that's great. So that that kind of nicely leads me <clears throat> into uh, our deep dive topic, which is uh, sales sales for startup. And uh, I think you just mentioned uh, uh, the question I had in mind was what are the various uh, sales channels? I think you, you just touched on it. Now, let's talk about uh, price points. So uh, how did you come up with the price points? So for example, could you just tell us uh, what uh, the in-app purchase price points are? Uh, how did you experiment and come up with the current price point or, or is it an ongoing experiment? Can you can you talk to us through the price points of the in-app purchases? Absolutely, sure. So currently you can buy the entire six videos required for the Pangra workout for $9.99. Individually, the videos, uh, if you buy them, they're different lengths. So they add up to about $14.99. Uh, you know, there's $1.99, $2.99, $3.99, $4.99, that type of thing. But 
uh, holistically, we thought of, okay, there are many other competitive 30-day workouts out there or, you know, time-sensitive workouts out there. What is their price point and how is their delivery mechanism? Is it DVD? Is it uh, TV? What does that look like? So when we looked at the sample base and we found that, you know, we have quite a few different options out there. Most of them were quite higher than, than $10. You know, some of the some of the cheaper ones were around 30 but that was really the lowest. There weren't very many any lower than that. So we kind of took it back and said, well, there's almost none that are in an app today. Uh, and the fact is they have the least, you know, the app I feel like has one of the uh, lowest personal touches, right? When you're when you're looking at a DVD, you, you feel like you have a big screen in front of you. Same thing with the TV. With the app, I, I, I think that diminishes that a little bit. So we said, let's take our price point down a little bit. And on the flip side, we have the volume capability that we can make up with having an app versus a DVD or, or TV or type of thing. So that's how we came up with sort of that $10 uh, price. The other thing we had to factor in is uh, the mindset of people when they're actually looking to download and purchase within an app. Uh, there's studies out there that will show you um, for an app that's free versus an app that is $0.99, cents, the number of downloads can be reduced by a factor of 10 if you just have a paid app out there, right? So if if people are so adverse to paying for something, we couldn't have it at too high of a price point uh, because, again, they're not used to even paying in the first place. There's so many free apps out there. Um, and, and so even though ours was in-app and we kind of drew them in to see the free content and then gave them the option to look at the, the paid site, we didn't want to set the bar too high because we felt that would scare people away. So those were kind of the two factors, what competitive analysis and uh, and what we saw in the app market to kind of keep that nine ninety nine price point. Okay. And uh, can you talk to us about uh, sales uh, sales or revenue figures uh, uh, how 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 has it uh, progressed? Uh, how is it looking? Um, uh, just just purely from uh, you could talk purely from an app point of view, or you could sure. talk about uh, total total merchandise uh, and other channels also. Absolutely. So yeah, I think looking at it holistically, I think the first step in really a sales uh, process for a startup is is the marketing analytics and research side that I touched on a little bit before. You know, determine your target market. Um, that's not always easy to do, either maybe due to limited funds and not being able to pay for some some of the research, or depending on the nature of their startup, there may not really be research that exists out there, depending on what your what your product is. Uh, but it's good to have that first. You look at what your various target markets uh, are, and the second approach is, you know, this may be a little opposite of what you hear in your sales, you know, lessons one hundred and one. But I actually go with quantity over quality. And the reason and what I mean by that is reaching out to as many possible targets as you can rather than just necessarily even looking at one or two target markets. I try to have multiple. It takes a lot more time, but having various target markets and reaching out to all of them means that you leave no stone uncovered and you sometimes find, many times you'll find that after doing those hundreds and thousands of messages and emails, you found an opportunity that you would have never known about. And that's sort of what happened with Learn Pangra app with the workshop side, uh, which you know we, we mentioned a little bit before. So I think it's it's very key that whenever you're wanting to either get somebody to try you know, your workout, whether you reach out in this case, if we were trying to sell the Pangra workout to, uh, to people who are into fitness, maybe reach out to a gym and we say, okay, Jim, 
here's a new workout style. Why don't you try doing this? Use technology, play the videos uh, on a big screen instead of even having instructor in there. Well, how we communicate that, that's one idea of how we can kind of sell uh, you know, our product and, and get those purchases. The way we communicate that, it's very important to have a very succinct message, right? We're, we're dealing with people all over the world, people we're never going to meet uh, you know, it would be great to do that, but unfortunately, we're never going to meet every one of our users. So having a great subject line in your message or email is probably one of the most important things you can look at when when kind of crafting your sales strategy. Uh, one of, that I've used in my career has been meeting with you next week. That's it. That was my subject line. And that's gotten me so many meetings uh, and, and so many sales there and after just by using that type of line. Remember, people are are never looking at uh, the full body content. They look at something very quickly and move forward for there. So I think that's uh, when you're putting together that sales strategy, it's important to have those target markets. It's important to know what your message to them is is going to be in whatever you're trying to sell and making it as succinct as possible. You explain quickly what you are in, in one to two lines. You go straight to you know what the, what kind of makes you what you are. And then number three is the ask. What are you asking of them? So most of my emails are no more than three to four lines when I'm sending uh, these prospecting emails out to these different organizations when we're trying to spread either the fitness side or get a workshop, uh, get merchandise sales, get partnerships with YouTubers. It's all the same methodology that you sort of apply when going through your sales process. Okay. Okay. Excellent. And uh, uh, is there any any revenue figures that you can share with us? Uh, sure. So, you know, we originally started with only getting uh, a few purchases, or I should say a purchase every few days. So uh, it originally started with making 10 bucks, you know, once every couple of days. Um, it, beer, it grew, beer money, right? Not, not even beer money, coffee money, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I got to the point where it paid for my electric bill, and I was happy about that. But... Uh, but there and after, you know, once we started kind of growing and uh, once we went viral, we capitalized on that because we used the virality to launch our fitness social media. So we launched a separate page for the Pangara workout and, and created a separate uh, small team off of that. And that's when we saw things really go up big time. So that's when we saw up to a few purchases a day, right? So now we're not just bringing in, maybe if we're lucky, $100 a month. Now we're bringing hundreds over a month, you know, sometimes sometimes up to a 1000 So that's that's where we really saw the trajectory uh, go up after that virality. Um, and, and outside of just the app purchases, you know, the workshops are great because then they're in person. You can kind of charge by the hour. Merchandise is great because you can sell that on site at the workshops. And, uh, of course, there's good profit margin if you're buying things in bulk, right, which which we try to do. Uh, and, and then what other, other gig opportunities you get? It's a service industry we start to become. And, you know, the margins in the service side are, are always uh, going to be a lot higher than, than a physical product. So we, we use that labor mentality of now we're providing that service and and that's how we're able to make quite a bit more so you know originally the app was uh, cost us you know in the range of uh, about 35 to 40,000 uh by the end of this year after about just 2 years of existence you know we're we're going to hope to be breaking even uh if not just early 2017 so that gives you an idea of kind of where where the revenue comes in at Wow, that's 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 excellent. Uh, that's and uh, that congratulations uh, on that. Thank you. Now, if you like the show, do follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The link is www.facebook.com/foundersgyan and twitter.com/foundersgyan. 
Both these provide you daily tips and articles as well as resources to help and inspire your startup. There are multiple tips per day. Some examples of these tips would be articles on the latest startups, growth hacking tips, how do you build team for startups, how to get funding, etc. So don't forget facebook.com slash foundersgyan and twitter.com slash foundersgyan. <clears throat> With regards to merchandise and other sales opportunities, uh, can you talk to us about how you diversified into these other uh, other sales opportunities? Because obviously, uh, if you put all your eggs in one basket and that is the in-app purchase, you're, you're never going to uh, make it up to scale unless uh, you create a Flappy Bird or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. uh, so. How did you kind of diversify into all these things? And uh, uh, a part of that question is, uh, you also mentioned about a team. So uh, how many people are in the team and uh, did uh, did putting the team together help you into diversifying into all these opportunities? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, diversifying and growing the team went hand in hand with diversifying and growing our revenue streams as well. And uh, so we originally started with myself and my co-founder. His name is uh, Sandeep. He's a software developer and helped kind of manage the entire uh, development process. We outsource development, but, uh, you know, he was being in his trade. He, w- he knew what to do. So originally, as we started with that team, uh, you know, a few people said, well, we really like what you're doing. We like the quality of the videos. It created that credibility. So they said, well, we have some marketing experience here. We'd like to we'd like to kind of join in and, and help out because they saw the future, uh, you know, potential and revenue and that type of thing. So we started with just us two and it's grown to about 12 people today. Now, the core team that really works on the app side is is only uh, four people, but the additional eight are our brand ambassadors. So we've been able to use local marketing, grassroots marketing by establishing a brand ambassador program. Those people are the face of our app and the face of our product in their local regions. And so having these different people, different mindsets, our brand ambassadors are actually from all over the world. We have Singapore, Argentina, Mexico, United States, Punjab, uh, and and we're continuing to grow on that. Uh, But getting their different perspectives and different ideas is actually how we thought of many of these revenue streams. One person who's, uh, you know, uh, in the college market, she said, well, you know, people in college seem to love in the universities, love these free giveaways. We really should be putting more time into merchandise. And that's how that type idea uh, came up. So, you know, after kind of growing this team and getting more and more people to look at our project, we took all the different revenue ideas out there and basically put a timeline on them. I think it was very key to put that timeline strategy because as you grow, you want to make sure your revenue and there are different sales channels, your revenue channels grow accordingly and organically through through that uh, timeline that you establish. So we knew down the road, yes, we want to create merchandise, but it wasn't something that we did necessarily in the first month. We focused on you know just growing the uh, app, Pangara well, Workout, the in-app purchase model of it first. Um, so that's sort of as our team grew, the more and more ideas came in, we incorporated them into a timeline and then explored more and more revenue options. Till this day, we continue to do that and see where else we can sort of grow. Okay, excellent. Now, um, I think this is probably going to be the final question on the sales uh, side of things. Uh, uh, but uh, after hearing all this, uh, you know, I might say, Oh, oh, Lavesh, it's all fine and good for you. You're from a sales background, but I know nothing about selling. So uh, how do I sell? So if somebody comes to you and tells you that and he's a startup founder, 
what advice would you give for a person uh, with no sales background? Absolutely. So sales, there is not one type of salesperson. There's not just one type of salesperson in the world, right? In 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 my career, I've met so many different types of salespeople and I can be completely different from the person next to me, but equally as successful. I think the key that I would find that's amongst all salespeople and anybody that succeeds at it is persistence. It's having a great system for following up and continuing to follow up and continuing to be persistent about whatever the opportunity is. So what I would suggest to somebody is, sure, you can establish these markets. It doesn't take a genius to do some basic research and think, okay, here's my product. Here's maybe some of the people that would use it. In fact, how else are you going to come up with a product? You have to have that use case in your mind. So creating and putting some of the research together and then creating that email, like I mentioned, it's it's cutting it down as simple as, as you need it to be. But what's the real way that you're going to get the success? It's going to follow up and follow up and follow up until you get a response. That's the key. So what I do is I pick a date every week or once every two weeks and I just go through any email responses, messages, or calls where I'm waiting on the other person. It ensures, again, that you leave no stone unturned, no opportunity that you missed out on. And anybody can do that. It's as simple as creating a calendar reminder for yourself. It's as simple as you know structuring your uh, emails or messages in a way that you can remember, here's what I need to go back and message. It's that quantity over quality approach. I don't want to uh, go against all the sales logic. And it's it's not necessarily saying that only quantity is great, but it's it's having that mindset and that methodology behind you to know that you're going to make sure you don't leave any stone unturned and having a system for what you're doing for following up. And if you keep at it, I guarantee you, you will get some results out of it and that will help kind of keep you through. It takes a lot of time, but it's very important to have that system. Right. Thank, thanks, uh, Lavish, uh, for sharing that. I think uh, <clears throat> persistence is key, uh, uh, not just in sales, but uh, any any facet of uh, the entrepreneurial journey. So uh, I think what you say uh, <clears throat> is, is very relevant. And uh, uh, I do have a great uh, tool for follow-up. Uh, I don't know if you have heard of this tool. It's called uh, followupthen.com. Have you, have you heard of this tool, followupthen.com? Uh, you know, I ha- I haven't heard of that. I might need to check that out because that might uh, change my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do because uh, it's a very interesting tool. And what it does is uh, you just register on the site. It's f- free. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> once you register on the site, it sends you an email uh, to your Gmail ID or whatever your ID with a whole bunch of um, whole bunch of addresses on the BCC or on the CC so that all these addresses get uh, into your address book. So the next time you want to follow up, let's say with a person after three days, all you got to do is say type 3D, that is three days uh, at follow up then. So it's all autocomplete. If you're using Gmail or something like that, you just type 3D and it says three days at follow up then.com and you just say call Ram. Uh, and uh, you say send and three days later you get a uh, message saying, hey, you said this follow up, you know? Uh, it's like days, hours, months, weeks, you name it, uh, it has all the options, you know. Sometimes you are working on something, uh, I, I use it very often, I, I'm working on something, I need to follow up somebody and just not in the mood or, you know, just don't have the time right now to do it. I can just say, uh, change it to 12 hours, you know, 12H, uh, I'd follow up then and uh, voila, after 12 hours I get get a, a email back saying, hey, you need to follow up with this person. That's fantastic. I, I think that would be a great tool for anybody who's, you know, in a startup space to to use. That sounds exactly like 
uh, something that I would use and, and uh, would make my life easier. Yeah, check it out and let me know how you find it. Uh, sure. Now let's 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 talk about uh, <coughs> your app uh, quickly. Uh, now you said that you built the app, and if I remember right, you said it cost you uh, 35, 40k. Is that uh, right? Yeah. So that that really combines the all aspects: the production of the video, the uh, actual development of the app, and and really marketing dollars in the first year. So I I put the entire kind of info in one bucket there okay and uh, uh, so uh, you are obviously a sales guy and uh, Sandeep is your uh, other other uh, other co-founder and and was he a technical guy I mean how did you approach the app development uh, I can understand the video production and marketing to some extent because uh, you obviously have some idea on all those things but uh, how did you approach the app outsourcing? Uh, can you give us some uh, insights into that? Uh, and if, let's say, I, I have a, I, I have a like dance class myself, and I want to create an app. I don't know anything about technology. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you just mentioned you just mentioned in your background that you don't know anything about technology, and yet you were able to build this app. So, uh, how did you manage the whole outsourcing process? Yeah, you know, I was I was very lucky that uh, when partnering with Sandeep, Sandeep that uh, you know he had the the technical background, but not so much from just a development perspective. It was more from the project managing perspective, and so knowing what developers need uh, in terms of you know creating wireframes and uh, creating a storyboard to help them understand what it would look like for a user. Those are the type of things that were a huge value add having. Uh, you know, somebody to partner with who understood the technology side. And uh, again, I don't think you have to have every detail. I don't think you have to, uh, Sandeep didn't know, you know, iOS uh, or or fully into Android. He he was developing on, on a different platform. But the fact that he knew what developers needed as he, you know, obviously was a software developer himself, uh, those wireframes, that's what really helped make it uh, come to life and become a real project for us. Um, and, and so if I was to suggest to somebody who has no technical background, um, I think it's still possible to do it without even having uh, a technical resource. Obviously, it's much easier if you do. But if you don't, uh, I would I would look up what what wireframes are. I think that's a very key thing to draw out what your what your app or what your project you want it to look like. Um, you know, using some logic of how one person clicks on one thing to the other. That was something that I did on my own anyways. I pretended like I clicked on every button and thought, where is this button going to take me and what is it going to look like to the user? And then you realize there's some things you have to take out or maybe some things you have to rework because that's too much clicking. All that comes into play when you really storyboard yourself, when you really put yourself in the shoes of a user and go through each and every little feature, each and every little button on your uh, on your project or app or website or whatever it may be. Um, so uh, I think it is good to always get a mentor or somebody you can partner with. And today there's you know luckily a lot of resources. Um, and, and I think it's also if you're looking to save costs, which is what we did, that's what, what led to our decision to outsource development rather than either trying it ourselves, which was going to take a lot of time, um, you know, or uh, hiring, let's say, you know, um, somebody uh, locally to to be there and, and, you know, paying them like that. We, we just outsourced it online. And uh, and that's how we we're able to get a lot of the initial development work there and after we started working with uh, other teams that were recommended to us but we got some of the basics done just from just from uh, outsourcing online 
uh, and uh, which which uh, website did you use? Elance or what? What was it? Yes, uh, I guess now it's called Upwork, right? But Elance was the uh, was the original one. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. Now let's talk about um, uh, your personal life. Now, uh, can you talk a little bit more about your personal life and how you uh, balance time between your work? uh and your personal life. I, i guess like dancing is uh, something you enjoy so i wouldn't call it uh, professional life but yeah still <laughs> there is a <laughs> no, segregation no, I, right? you're you're absolutely right you know some days you're like i, I i'm tired of doing pongra i'm tired of dancing <laughs> but you know it's it's part of what you do right so so you uh you definitely it's it's still obviously always going to be something i enjoy but there are certain days when my body just says oh i cannot do it today um it, it's you know the way you you have to do it is uh the way at least i do it is is creating the most specific schedule uh that you you know possibly can i mean i time out down to 10 minutes of my day um and and i really utilize uh the calendar tool um you know like i use gmail google calendar is is what i swear by you know when i'm having dinner with a friend they're going to get a google calendar invite from me um that that's that's how i structure everything and so having that commitment and that conviction to say i'm going to stick to my calendar and i'm going to create something um and and once you hit a couple of goals you start easy with it right if you're if it's not something you're ready to do uh it's it's you know starting small by trying to hit a few goals putting a few simple things on your calendar and saying okay I accomplish this I accomplish this and then getting more and more intricate with it to the point where now you can manage both your full-time career if that's what you're still doing plus your startup and so you know I was kind of fortunate that part of my Lenovo career I've been uh as I mentioned in uh in sales and so I've been able to work from home I I you know work in New York City and uh, and I'm meeting with clients during the day. So I have the ability of flexibility of schedule and I can work on the app sometimes a little bit during the day. But even if I don't and even when I didn't when I first started the app, it was okay, I'm done with work, let's say 5:36. Now I'm going to dedicate from 6 all the way to 10 at night doing not just the app work but spreading it out. Here's what I need legally, I need to get these agreements. Here's what I need to get here uh marketing I have to reach out so I get to spend some time for marketing outreach. Uh there's some meetings I have to take care of to talk about development whatever it may be timing all those out and I think that if you really use the time management aspect and have a tool that helps you whatever the tool that is helps you keep track of it I think that's how you'll be successful in uh in balancing kind of your personal and non-personal life excellent excellent uh, advice and uh, uh do you have a daily ritual or something how, how do you keep yourself fit I've seen your videos and obviously you need to be fit to keep dancing and teaching dancing every day right so uh, is that something you do on a daily basis that helps you uh, stay fit uh, or, or or mentally physically i don't know maybe you do meditation i'm, I'm not <laughs> sure <laughs> uh no you know absolutely yeah so i i definitely try to uh go weightlift four times a week um you know so i i i'm definitely in, into weightlifting but uh outside of that it's it's always good to have a mix of uh of different things you know so you never get bored uh you know i i play sports i play quite a bit of soccer nowadays not as much basketball um but i play a lot of football soccer whatever you want to call it um i also uh i do these workshops or when i do those once about a month or once every 3 weeks those in itself are pretty much a, a big workout weekend for me when i'm when i'm conducting those uh i also try to run a couple times a week uh as well so incorporating all that into my schedule is just as much uh considered to me as as work right is as part of my work schedule 
uh, is taking out time, you know, during the day to to lift weights or to go for a run or whatever. And once you get the consistency and you see start to see just some results, your body doesn't want to break it. Your mind doesn't want to break that. And and so I think establishing quick consistency is the key to success because once you've seen some results from it, you just don't want to go back. And, and that's what helps keep me in shape. Awesome. Awesome. Great advice. Now, what's the best advice that you have heard or uh, read or, or uh, listened and uh, try to uh, incorporate into your own uh, life or, or career? Yeah, for me, you know, uh, Ramji, it's, it's been it's been one hundred percent the persistence. Um, you know, I I will be the first to tell you I'm not the smartest guy. <laughs> I'm not the uh, you know the the uh, the one that maybe has the best ideas or the or the most intelligent way to uh, to achieve X, Y, and Z. But the time management and the persistence uh, that that itself is is what any success I've had has been because of that. It's you know some people say that's hardworking, but I really just think it comes down to to time management and uh, and including persistency, uh, an element of that, a system of that into your time management. So um, for me, that that really sparks everything that I do is having a schedule and being able to. Uh, stick to that schedule because that makes me feel like I've accomplished what I want to get done during that day. And when I feel that sense of accomplishment, it it kind of builds the the positive vibes and helps you do more and more and more. It shows that your hard work is paying off, and uh, and from there, you know, it, it leads to a lot of different things. So the best advice is to for me has always been to make that schedule that I kind of mentioned before. Okay, excellent. Now, <clears throat> can you talk to me about your worst moment? and uh, uh, worst entrepreneurial moment uh, and uh, the lessons you learned from that experience. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, within uh, within the app it's, itself, we've, uh, you know, the, one of the worst moments I've had and f- feelings I've had is, you know, obviously, like many others listening, we're a, we're a startup with with not a whole ton of funds, and uh, and so when we did our development and outsourced it, that was obviously to save cost. And sometimes you don't always get the best results by doing it that way. And so one time, you know, when I was with somebody and I was talking excitedly about my app, and I said, "Yeah, check it out right now," and they said, "Oh, we're going to download it," and they downloaded it, and the app crashed on them. Um, you know that that's a terrible feeling, right? Because you. Uh, it's it's something you've put your whole life into. It's your baby, and then uh, right, you're, you're so excited to show show it to them, right? And right, and it right. doesn't work. And then they look at you funny, like uh, this is what you've been so excited about. This, this app <laughs> doesn't even work. <laughs> so, you know that that's a that's a disheartening feeling. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, you know, at the same at the same token, you you kind of have to go back, and sometimes you just really have to close your eyes and look back and say you know, okay, even if this didn't work, or even at this point in time, something is not working, look at how much I've achieved and look at how much I've learned. Because even if my app today didn't work, the knowledge that I've gotten from doing this project is absolutely, there's invaluable, it's priceless, there's no there's no amount of money that this knowledge could buy. And I know that whatever next venture or whatever other idea I came up with, the skills that I've learned in this will pay off, you know, 20 times down the road. So even if one aspect of it didn't work, or, you know, something, something went wrong, everything building up to it, all that is, is valuable, just invaluable skills that you're going to be able to use in, in whatever you choose to pursue or whatever hopefully does work out for you. Uh, so that's sort of how I've been able to 
keep myself going when I did have some of those roadblocks or, you know, money was a concern or, or time was a concern. Uh, you know, it always said, hey, look at what I've been able to accomplish. Look at what I've done. And luckily for me, it's still continued to work on for, for some time. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, in a nutshell, uh, you'd say that even if whatever you're doing is a failure, you haven't really failed. You have, you have just learned from it, right? I mean, exactly. that's kind of, okay, great. Now, we just have a couple of final questions. Now, are there any books uh, or, or resources that you recommend uh, to our startup uh, uh, would be entrepreneurs or, or startup founders? Uh, do you read? Uh, what, what would you recommend? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm I'm not the best at uh, at uh, suggesting books, but I, it's not that I don't read. I just, uh, you know, the internet has become my uh, my quote unquote library. So I, um, you know, I, I found uh, a lot of success in uh, checking out things like Angels List. Uh, that's that's a great resource. Uh, it's a list of startups. Um, I believe it's I believe it's international, but I know it's definitely uh, in the U.S. Um, as as well. And kind of seeing what different ideas people have on there. Um, I've also had a lot of success using meetup.com. That was actually one of the initial ways to uh, to get this uh, app idea and to understand what it entails to, to get an app started. Because I went to these meetups. You know, there's technology meetups. There's networking meetups. All these different types of meetups in cities all over the world. And so going to that... Uh, allowed me to meet people who gave me different perspectives uh, there and after where, you know, I would read more and more about something and then, you know, find out, okay, this is where I want to, you know, dive further into. Um, so I think I think creating these networking events were probably the most critical thing. Uh, the other thing I would say is, is finding a mentor. Uh, finding somebody who has done something similar to you or um, or somebody you respect just, you know, in – in business in general, everybody I'm sure can think of at least one person out there who, who you know, they uh, look up to or, or uh, you know, respect and, and whose ideas and values they uh, or ideas and uh, projects they can value. So keeping in touch with that mentor and trying to uh, have, again, a follow up system to to go through your progress is important with that mentor as well, too, because it brings another set of eyes onto your project and helps you think more about where you should go and what you should do and if you're doing something right or wrong. Um, so those have been the best resources, meetup, having a mentor itself. Uh, other than that, I wouldn't say there's just one particular um, you know, thing that's that's really works. It's been a lot of different Googling, a lot of different links. Uh, but if it helps you too, as part of kind of I mentioned before, uh, having a systematic approach, pick one topic you want to research every few days. And a topic that pertains to, of course, your your project. So whether it's app sales, like we talked about earlier, whether it's app development, whether it's video production, whether it's video editing, uh, whether it's around the dance itself, just pick something that you're always constantly learning. And that keeps you in the mindset of always being thirsty for knowledge. And I think that is very important as well, too, uh, in general. Great, uh, Lavish. Uh, that's, that's great advice. So thanks a lot for that. Now, before I move on to the final question, uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Obviously, uh, I will be linking up the uh, your website, learnbangra.com, uh, mm-hmm. as well as the uh, uh, Play Store and iOS uh, uh, app links on the show notes. But if they want to reach out to you personally for uh, just talking about uh, mentorship, sales, uh, startups in general, What's the best way to reach out to you? LinkedIn, Twitter, email. What's 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 your poison of choice? 
Absolutely, sure. So uh, I'm I'm very active over email. So if if they want to uh, message, I have two emails. Uh, our general learn Bhangra app at gmail.com. So it's learn Bhangra and then a p p uh, app at gmail.com. Or uh, you can email me at my alias L Prithmani. That's P R I T M A N I. So L Prithmani at learnpangraapp.com. Both of those I check pretty frequently. Um, and uh, and would be very happy to uh, help in in any way I can. You know we're all learning, uh, no, no one's perfect. So uh, so it's great to talk to others and and uh, and continue to you know improve ourselves. Okay, excellent. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to uh, say that Bangda is spelled with b h a n g r a dot com for all yes. our non-Indian listeners. Uh, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should have said that at the start, but anyway, I'll be putting that on the show notes. So. Um, Thanks, uh, Lavesh, so much for your time. I'm very grateful to you for taking the time out. I know it's very late uh, for you in the day, uh, so it's it's uh, it's a, it's a great uh, uh, great uh, pleasure and privilege to uh, speak to you. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, the final question is: uh, This is how I end in my uh, podcast. Uh, Let's assume that whatever you're talking has not been recorded. Actually, okay, it is recorded. <laughs> it's, it's just a joke. <laughs> no it problem. is recorded, but but <laughs> assume that it's not been recorded, and I'm just pressing the record now. So, if there's one gyan, only one gyan that you could give our would-be founders, what would that be? Sure. Um, you know, for me, that would be uh, when you're when you're you know putting your project together and you're uh, you're you're looking at um, what you want to get into, think to yourself, is this something I am willing to sacrifice, you know, a lot for? And is it something that I'm willing to say, okay, I can hang out with friends or I could sit there and be on my computer and, and typing away and researching into this project. I think sacrifice is very, very important. You have to be willing to put in that time because you can't do everything at once. You know, you can't say, Oh, I'm going to sit there and be a social butterfly. And at the same time, I'm going to create an app and, you know, and, and, and have it be successful. Uh, some people may be able to, but most people cannot do that type of thing. So look heavily and say, is this, is this something I'm that passionate about that I'm willing to, to put in whatever it takes for it to be successful in my eyes and whatever you determine as success. So that would be my gyan to, to everyone out there. Um, you know, it's something that I've looked at and even within my, uh, learned Bangra app, there are certain avenues I could have taken and I didn't take those because I felt that that's not what represented what I started. And what I started the app was for to spread this style of Bangra that I really cared about. And so there were opportunities where I had the chance to water it down and maybe make it more commercialized. I didn't do that because that's not where I wanted to put in my time. That's not where I wanted to sacrifice uh, my efforts. So stay true to whatever your passion is, your roots. And, uh, and make sure that that's something you want to sacrifice some time and effort. And if you do, the results will be there. That, that's just my two cents. Excellent. Uh, Lavish, thank you so much uh, for your time. And I wish you continued uh, success in your venture. Thank and, you so uh, much, to, Ramji. Yeah, hope to send you a video of me doing the dance. Won't get <laughs> you won't get it very soon, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey, absolutely. That would that would be uh, a proof that uh, the app works. So so I'm gonna hold you to that, Ramji. I, <laughs> I appreciate you you having me on here. It's been an honor, and uh, and it's been great speaking with you. Thank you.
Tushar, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show to answer questions with regards to IP, trademark and all those jazzy stuff. If uh, any of you listeners out there have a question uh, that you'd like Tushar to answer, please use the hashtag hash ask Marcus, that is A-S-K-M-A-R-C-A-S on Facebook and Twitter. And we will uh, pick out the most interesting questions and answer them in an upcoming episode of Founders Gyan. Uh, so thanks. Thanks again, Tushar, for uh, for agreeing to answer some of our listeners' questions. My pleasure, Ram. Also, a quick disclaimer. Uh, this advice is gen- general in nature. If you have specific questions with regards to your brand or your trademark, we suggest consulting a lawyer before taking any advice that you hear on this podcast. Would you suggest that a company which is just starting out register the trademark just yet or not? Or if no, what is the best time for going for trademark registration? In my opinion, I always recommend, I always suggest that get your trademark registered as soon as possible because it saves the hassle of any future infringement issues because once you start using your brand name you it's very difficult to change it again in case there is a, in case you get into certain litigation uh, for infringement so it's better to check initially in the beginning that whether similar name exists or not so that it reduces you know it makes sense it 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 saves you from a lot of hassles later on uh, okay and what is the best time like is it uh, before starting while starting after starting Yes, before starting, before starting, like I said, before starting. Whenever you're starting up, it's better to get your trademark there and there. there, there, there. Okay, okay. so basic step is you file it and then obviously you have to start, right? You can't wait for the trademark to come through, right? So once you file your application, within 48 to 72 hours, you'll get the receipt, uh, the permanent application number. So in a way, you are provisionally registered. So the application can, you know, can uh, work, uh, can... Process, the application will be processed there. You can start working on it by doing. When you're registering, there is a public search. So there you check whether you know the similar name exists or not. So there you will know the the similar name is not existing. So it is much easier for you to start working on developing that brand there. Okay, thanks, uh, Tushar, for uh, your time in answering these questions uh, for a limited time. Marcas uh, is offering free filing of trademark. You just have to pay the uh, the government registration fees. More details can be had on www.marcas.in. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Tushar, once again for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Ram. Thank you for having me on your show again. I hope you enjoyed this show. Do share it with your friends. It's simple. Either send them the website www.foundersgyan.com or go to the show notes page foundersgyan.com slash ep54 where there are nifty share icons that you can use. I'll see you all next week with yet another startup and its journey. In the meantime, drop in a comment on the show notes page about what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear on the show, and so on. And remember to take action on your own startup today. I hope you got inspired and have a great week ahead.